Hi everyone, welcome to PA Talks, an interview series by Parametric Architecture, the world's most renowned avant-garde architecture platform about parametric and computational design. We meet the architecture and design pioneers on this podcast and talk about their careers, experiences, methodologies, and visions for the future. My name is Hamid Hasanzadeh, founder and editor-in-chief of Parametric Architecture Platform. Welcome to the show, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. To support this podcast, please check the links in the description. Make sure to follow our platform on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and support us on Patreon. You may listen to this conversation on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. The following is the conversation between Hernan Diaz Alonso and Eric Carcamo. Hernan Diaz Alonso is an Argentinian architect, the current director and CEO of SciArc, Southern California Institute of Architecture, and the principal of Los Angeles-based architecture office HDAX. Hernan moved to Los Angeles in 2001 to pursue filmmaking, product, and motion design and founded the Fruit Arc in the same year. He often uses animation software to create amorphous frames, exemplarily the well-known installation at PS1 Contemporary Art Center in Queens in 2005. Hernan has been a distinguished faculty member of SciArc since 2001, serving in several leadership roles including coordinator of the graduate thesis program from 2007 till 2010 and graduate programs chair from 2010 until 2015. He is widely credited with leading SciArc's transition into digital technologies and played a key role in shaping the school's graduate curriculum over the last decade. Also, Eric Carcamo is an educator, designer, and the principal and co-founder of All Blackform. Eric has been in pursuit of innovation and technology in the field of architectural thinking and teaching processes and has taught numerous design studios and visual studies seminars at various universities such as Yale University of Architecture, SciArc, and UPenn School. His expertise expanding his graduate thesis at GSAPP is based on researching digital experimental techniques and strategic thinkings for the manipulation of the form in design. Eric holds a master's degree in advanced architectural design from Columbia University and a bachelor's degree from the Southern California Institute of Architecture, SciArc. This discussion focused on Hernan's trajectory in digital design, his influence at SciArc as director and CEO, and as well as his teaching approach and philosophy towards architectural design and learning. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello. Ah. Uh, well, thank you again, uh, Hernan, for taking the time uh, and uh, join us. Uh, I know there's uh, a lot of points that we want to kind of discuss. It's kind of exciting about uh, having you here on this platform. And uh, especially nowadays, now these conversations could be, uh, you know, in, in its formality of this platform, they also have this kind of... Uh, uh, kind of friendly conversation or you're, you're in your home or office I'm in my home and it's more like having coffee with someone right so this conversation should be uh, going from the outline of the questions that we have uh, it's about kind of understanding your method of thinking and how you see uh, archi architecture in this uh, and then going on to we'll talk about the parametric architecture or what that means or what this kind of platform represents and who takes part and in, in, in what ways because I feel like this is a larger kind of umbrella you know parametric kind of could be everything but it's also very defined to very specific things uh, so uh, you know we call the the questions more like the evolution of post-digital right so which what we're trying to do is to understand the last 20-25 years and knowing your trajectory it would be great to kind of see where, where that has taken you, where you are, and, and all the discussions that have happened before that. <clears throat> so I'm just going to kind of turn off some of the comments here so we can go ahead and start. Okay, so I'll, I'm going to go with, uh, with the uh, first two questions I kind of combined, which is, we want to know, can you tell us a bit about yourself, right? But more importantly, what's the reason for becoming an architect uh, and has anything remained from the original expectations of what you thought an architect was or a designer was back then? Any of that remain as it is now for you? Um, no, for sure, no. Um, 
and particularly uh, right now, first with COVID-19 and second with the protest for racial justice and Black Lives Matter, that's going to change again. Uh, and, and we're all going to have to reevaluate everything that we do and we think about it. So, uh, no, I mean, it's, uh, like everything else, it's a work in progress. So, um, originally from Argentina, I, I study and grew up in Rosario, which is the second or third city of the country, depends who you ask. <laughs> um, I became an architect by accident. Uh, I never thought of being an architect. Um, there was a whole series of factors that took me there. Um, so I ended up going to architecture because film school was not available and uh, I was more interested to be a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Actually, I wanted to be a, a doctor for most of my uh, youth, and then I realized I didn't have what it takes to be. So my my path to start architecture was very um, well. I guess there's not conventional ones. What it was, uh, I it was uh, also what I got into architecture. I didn't fully understand what architecture was neither. I mean, for for us, in a, at least for me. Uh, was our brick houses with 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 pin roofs and stuff like that. I mm -hmm. thought an architect was somebody who made houses and buildings. Uh, I didn't f even fully understand the difference between an architect and engineer, to be honest. Um, so it took me a couple of years uh, to understand architecture it was really more like a cultural practice and uh, an art of humanity. So my interest was much more in the art and humanity side of, of, of architecture. And this was brought to people like Saha Hadid and Enrique Mirages and Kopimenblau uh, and others. But that was a kind of awakening that it kind of took me into that trajectory. Uh, was, this, was this happening when you were going to school or after school? Yeah, this, this happened very fast. Um, there was... Um, well, the, the architecture education in, in Argentina, like in the rest of Latin America, is hardly technical uh, and is historically very modernist and rigorous and very precise. So there was not much room for other kind of thinking. Um, and then uh, through, through magazines and books, uh, other opportunities started to happen. And then and, and Mirage was, at that time was still together with Carmen Pinoz. Came, came to give a talk and it, uh, and it was super interesting because mm. even Saha Hadid and Kop Himmenblas and others were of, of an interest to me. Uh, Mirages and Pinots were, were a way of thinking through concrete and bricks and things that were very familiar to the kind of a much more um, straightforward pragmatism that architecture takes in, in Argentina and Latin America, which is... Uh, it's a different kind of context in, in, in the same way that, in, I mean, like a big chunk of our education is, for example, doing a lot of social housing and, and keep thinking on that, uh, that problem. So it wasn't, uh, um, and again, the rigidity of the rigor. So in a way, uh, when, I, when I became a student, it still was pretty much uh, at, the, uh, uh, at the middle of postmodernism and, and there was an interest in, in, in Aldo Rossi and Tafuri and, and many other like thinking. So, but there was a shift that it was happening by the very peculiar relation between Argentina and Barcelona, in which mm. Miraces started to play a role, and, and, and the Portuguese architect like Alvaro Sisa. So, it, it was an interesting inflection moment, and it was also a time that there was a group of young architects in Rosario with a different agenda, which it paved the way for me and others to start to think in different terms about these things. Yeah. Um, uh, then I started my own little practice. We did a couple of projects. We built a couple of projects. We did a we did a renovation for a, for a school with, uh, with kids with mental disabilities, um, which it, it was related to uh, to family to personal yeah. relationships mm -hmm. and a couple of stores and uh, and then there, there was a. a there was this idea of this desire to go and do a master somewhere else, to go out. I mean, I, I, I went and lived in Barcelona for a while and worked for Enrique Mirages. Mm. So at that time, I started thinking, um, uh, me and a friend, Marcelo, is another 
Uh, he went to Colombia first, uh, and then I thought that you know, what, he, what, he was, what he was showing me that what he was doing also Galia San Lomonov, which was also from Rosario. At the end, like we all do, like it's about personal relationships and friendships you get to know. Yeah, you have to remember this is before internet or anything like that. Everything Correct. goes through little yeah. books or magazines and stuff yeah. like that. So um, Colombia seems to be like the super interesting place in where they were incorporating computers and all that. Right. Um, so I went and did my master over there and, and that kind of it took me in the kind of the path that I've been until now. Nice. Uh, interesting. Um, so from Mirages, then you started thinking I should just go for your master's, went to Colombia, saw what was happening. Yeah. And at this, at this moment, Colombia was wasn't this considered, it was considered one of like the kind of meccas or the technical introduction, introduction of computer and yeah, how that it, changed, right? It was crazy, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I was there in 98, 99, which uh, was the, the, what is known now as a paperless studio was on the way and mm -hmm. heavily on the way. Uh, and many, many of the young architects like uh, Regin, Jesse Rice, Hernana Kurimoto, Lisa Couture, Harry Rashid, and many others. Yeah. Were, were were working with that yeah um, so i i my interest was at that for many reasons one it was about what what was coming and what a new a new way to think about it but also it was very liberating in terms of possibility would allow you to do Correct. Um, yeah. but also the, the, there was this um, Personally, for me, it was an interesting way to start to figure out how I can carve my own my own language, my own interests, and, mm -hmm. and move away from what, uh, which I was heavily influenced by Mirages, and uh, and it was kind of in a trap that I didn't know how to figure it out, how to develop my own work. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the computer gave me that possibility. But I, I would say, if you look carefully uh, in the work, I mean, you can see a lot of a lot of Mirages there. I mean, mm -hmm. there is still a lot of Enrique Mirage's influence and, and, and the work and it with Carmen Pinoz and later with Benedetta Tagliabue. Um, there's still a lot of that is present in the yeah. work somehow. So I in mean, a way, I, I think you never, you, you never kind of abandon your interest. You keep adding other layers. Correct. That's, that's very interesting because, I mean, I'm sure everybody as a designer and, and people who look at the work of other people, they... they 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 have a hard time kind of getting away from that uh, exact idea and because they're so attracted to what they're doing they're still trying to figure that out so it's interesting that you, you say that because some of the projects i can i think we can read some of the mirages effect or some kind of uh, moments that happen that in a completely transformed way of course um great thank you uh, so let, let me look at the third question so going into your work right so looking at your work there's a certain visual quality uh, that is associated with imagery and film yeah uh, can you tell us the importance of the emotional representation in your projects and is there a film that kind of captured at some moment either the 90s 2000 that kind of really caught your attention within a film but more important about your uh, the idea yeah I, I, well, I always been more inclined to be on the side of the artistic side of architecture than anything. So I think that emotional and visceral component always has been crucial. Um, I think the film influence is, uh, it was rooted in what I said in my interest in being a filmmaker earlier in, earlier in my youth. Mm -hmm. So in a way, part of the working with animation software was an opportunity to build the brain the nature of being an architect, a designer, and the, uh, and the aspirations of the desire to be a filmmaker. So it presents that opportunity. I, I would say there is, uh, in terms of the film, and, and I have to say my interests in recent times are less and less in films, honestly, but mm. it was a big important component at the beginning. Uh, and it still is. I mean, still there is a lot of cinematic qualities that I'm interested in, and, and also like a it's a sense of literal uh, desire part. I mean, like you work with animation software and with camera. Okay, that, that's how we, 
that's the medium, so let's be literal yeah. about it. But it's yeah. never so much about, it. I, I would say, I don't think it's about a particular film, it's about pieces of films or, or the way mm. how the films are constructed, how the techniques are constructed. So, I mean, I remember, I mean, when the first Matrix from, from the Wachowski came out, the bullet time yeah. was something that they caught, not my attention, everybody else, or, 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 or if you think uh, um, Christopher Nolan uh, or, or people like that, or or even like you, you look at the camera work that Spike Lee does in his video or Spike Jones. Mm. Um, so it's more about the techniques and, and the obsession. But usually my, my interests always are much more driven by um, by pop culture movies. It's not so much actor films. It's much mm. more about pop cultures uh, like Kate, Kate Bigelow in the hard locker uh, so there are pieces of things that you take here and there but i always much more interesting with with the with the technique like in recent times probably spider-man into the spider-verse was probably one of the most exciting thing i saw in a long time so it blew my mind in terms of <laughs> aesthetics and all the things they can do but but i have to say in in more recent years uh, it has been way i've been way less influenced by film or influenced by other things and uh, um, so but I think it changed I think in, in different decades you look into different things I think yeah. um, some of the more re re recent Mexican directors like Iñarritu and, mm -hmm. and Alejandro Menava and others um, but particularly the, 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 their, their photography director Chivo Lewoski um, these are people who are they find a way also to, to reconnect with certain kind of a raw rudeness of, of yeah. the culture and, and mix yeah, it yeah. with technology. And that's probably much more with my interest light these days, is the contamination between the high end of the technology with something much more primitive or, or some kind of a more raw ritualistic make, 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 make mean thing. Like I've been very ob obsessed in yeah. revisiting a lot of things of butchery and cooking and primitive things of my own, my own background in Argentina, but other things that I've been looking around, things that you will find in different cultures that relate to that. And I will say way more than film these days. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, okay, so let me um, go, you know, continue in that kind of conversation in film. And I don't, if there's, if this question even applies, it's a, what would be the equivalent of a party within your work, right? And is is there is there one party, or because you know now people don't really use parties. I think it is kind of a more older language. I feel like within the work that you do, do you have a the equivalent of a party? Um, well, I don't know how to answer that question. And I really think you cannot. Um, I always think that what you do as a designer is, is kind of a, your own genetic code. So whatever whatever things you learn are along the way with you one way or another. So as I said, my my bachelor education in Argentina in, in, in the public university was very very hardcore driven by the ideas of parties and program and Correct. form follow function and all that. So even though I never ever been interested in that as a driving force or mm -hmm. something I will never talk about it. I don't think it really defines anything. So I, I think will be existing there. So, but uh, in any case, I will say that if there is something equivalent to party, uh, is much more rooted in the notion of <clears throat> a grammar or an alphabet. Like there, there are certain mechanisms, hmm. certain things that we repeat over time again and again and again, which are not necessarily related to program or to party, but I mean, in many ways, party was something that was used to create a structure and idea of organization. So, <clears throat> uh, I, I mean, part, no, I don't think my work has that. Right. I, right. Think, I think, but the, the, there is there is a clarity internally when it comes to it, but it's never really a departing point. It's never, it's never really, uh, it's never really a driving force of the project. Hmm. I will be, I will be lying if I say otherwise. Got it. Um, okay, so then in that case, and the next question would be, how important is technique within your work, right? And in parametric design, 
has the evolution of technique progressed the discourse of your work or your discussions? Uh, sure. Uh, technique, technique is very crucial in the work. Um, it has been fueled by technique. And, and even in, in, in the more recent times where we are looking for contamination or distortion, yeah. that also creates its own techniques of contamination or distortion. So in, in a way, I'm pretty much... Uh, pretty much driven by technique and, and I yeah. tend to be I tend to gravitate to work of people that is about refinement of the technique. I have ne never been so interested in conceptual art uh, or or anything like that. I always been much more interested in art and musicians or that they re rely on virtuosity uh, and technique. So right. it's technique in relation right. to virtuosity, I will not separate that. I mean yes, there, there is a permanent desire uh, to keep advancing that. Uh, I mean, the, the, I understand the context of the parametric conversation. I, I never consider myself into that um, because I really believe that anything that you do has parameters. So whatever whatever right. you're designing, it is parametric. But I fully understand what it means in the, in, in the, in the culture of design in relation yeah. to technology. Uh, but I've never been a subscriber about that because... Um, um, I like to operate in a more free flow way. I, I don't like to be bound for, by, by kind of imposed rules. Don't get me wrong, techniques and their rules and the work mm -hmm. that you, you, we all produce have their own rules. But I like to have the flexibility to change it and, and to don't be defined by that. And I always interested to figure out how you can screw up the techniques and how you can screw up the technology, how the technology can do or make them do things that we're not supposed to do. So. In, in any case, I'm much more interested in, in contamination than I'm interested in parametricism. Mm. I mean, I, I agree. I think the technique in, in that conversation, it's your work has always been a, a really refined technique. So, and it takes, I would say, years to get to a point like that. And I feel like if you don't have that kind of virtuoso within what, in the work, it just cannot, it, it doesn't speak as, as loud, I would say. I or it becomes of a bit more... Plateau, but I, there's this yeah, but I think it can be learned, and I think it can be taught, and and I, and I think it, I, I really don't think it's difficult to be honest. I think it's just about, um, I think, I think it's, it's, about, it's, it's about consistency. It's about yeah. Yeah. embedding yourself in that way to work and keep pushing. And, and it. But clearly, also, clearly mm -hmm. things are changing, and people are approaching it differently, and there are different things in play. But um, I'm, in that sense, I'm fairly old school. I'm, I'm, I'm 51 already. I'm, I'm, I'm not a young Turk or a young architect. And, I, I, and also, I, I am not anywhere about the cutting edge of technology. I mean, I use all the technology available to us. But conceptually, I am not on the cutting edge like other people are. I mean, I think the te technique, like you say, it's, it's easy. You learn it. But the thing is that you can learn it for what reasons, right? So I think the most difficult part is how to place that kind of conversation yeah. of your work within, the, within a place was actually valuable. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd just be learning to know how to do cool things, but they don't belong anywhere, really. Right. But I, I think, think that's, that's always has been the case. I don't think that have nothing to do with computers and technology. I think that always has Correct. been the logic of any, cre any creative work. Mm -hmm. I think technology will allow us to invent it and to add more options how to do it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's say the next one. What are the priorities in your projects in order to engage with your users' emotions? And how would you describe your architecture? And if you have a preferred project or your own, something that satisfies you one project over the other? Yeah, I never have a project that I really like. I mean, I think every project that we've done, <laughs> I, I kind of hate it right away. Um, most of people who are designers will tell you the same thing. So I, I really don't have, I don't have projects that I prefer. Probably there are projects where I think we became closer to what we what we thought um, yeah, yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah. But usually I, I have a very short memory. So I tend to be much more uh, in love with things that I'm working right now than things that I've done. I actually, one of the things I find annoying about doing books or, or, or doing, a little bit sometimes lectures to talk about things that you did 10 or 12 years ago and that you really don't care anymore or 
you're not invested yeah. in that anymore. Even though I fully understand that for people who are outside the world, they may all look all self-similar and there is a kind of a coherency. So yeah, no, usually I don't have, I mean, usually my, my favorite project is the last one um, because I think it's, it's what is more in line when I'm in, in, interested at the moment. Uh, and, 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 now, and now I'm trying to, to, to figure it out and to rethink a lot of things moving forward. So we'll see what, what that will take me. Yeah. Um, the, 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 what, sorry, what was the first part of the question? Ah, uh, it's connected. So, but it, what, what, would, what would be the, uh, the priorities that you want to engage your users? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I, their emotions. I I, that's the part I consider myself much close to art than to architecture. Um, it's no, I'm not so, I'm not so focused when I'm working in whatever will be an interaction with the audience or the emotions of the audience. I, I think, um, I think it will be a little bit or quite arrogant on my part to try to anticipate what people will do, but I, I like the idea of a provocation. I like the idea of discomfort. Mm. I like the idea. Uh. <laughs> that what we do or what or what we do is not easy to read or is not easy to digest. But to be honest, I I, I eat much more um, on the art side. It's a little bit more personal, selfish uh, process in which I'm much more interested to develop what I'm interested in working on. And then if we get lucky, we'll find an audience, which, by the way, I think for whoever is, is, is watching this, um, it's not that I really find audience that often. It's, it's, I mean, we don't have many clients, or we don't have much, we haven't had much success commercially. So in a way, there is a problem there, and there is a limitation there, and and, and we have to keep thinking about why, what are we doing wrong? Um, and I think also in the context of where we're going to right now as a society, um, we're going to have to think also too what what yeah. the speculative or progressive design means, how we can align that with other other values of progressive thinking, which I think is one of the, I will say it's, it's a fundamental problem that design have to address um, because yeah. it's usually one or the other, but there are very few few cases that there is that relationship. So um, like everybody else, I, I, I'm in the a, in a, in a, in a process of, of trying to figure it out what to do next with, yeah. with, with no much clarity. But I think it's, 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 it's an exciting it's an exciting proposition to have to reinvent yourself and to reinvent your work yeah. and, and see how you navigate the things. But I think, you do, I don't know, I mean, my sense is I usually work around ideas for two or three years and then I move on into something else without leaving those behind. So yeah. we are right now in a transition process and we, we haven't been that busy in the office for the last year. So uh, I have been much more focused in thinking or, or other things and trying to figure it out what where are the next agents of contamination we're interested in and what, how we're going to navigate them. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, uh, let me go to the next question. So, uh, so we would consider you a grandfather of computational design, right? In the, in this era. Uh, can you tell us about your trajectory within the discipline, right? Uh, since your your start was before the term parametric or yeah the word parametric right uh, how was yeah. uh how was the digital design classified prior to that uh especially uh how was it put in the dialogue or how was it put it in an intellectual yeah. setting well as i said the, the, at the beginning of all this they were called paperless studio um mm. there was there was no such thing as digital architecture or digital thing at that moment. I think that, I think there was blob, blob architecture was a word that was Correct. used a lot at that time. Uh, see, everybody was trying to build the lexicon and, 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 the, and the manifesto. I, I mean, thank you for the grandfather thing. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I think that there were people like, uh, as I said, like, like people like Greg Lynn or Bernard Cash or Nana Komemoto. Lisa no, of Kutur, course, I mean, there are. Hani. Yeah. No, 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 but also in terms of how... I just made, feel like within your generation... No, no, I mean, but they made, yeah. they made a huge concealed effort to write about it, agreed, to, to do manifesto and so on, which I, I never did. Uh, I, I was never so interested in that. I was much more interested in designing. Um, so I, even to the point that I... Honestly, I never, I'd never been so, so fond of, of the word digital architecture or anything like mm -hmm. that because 
Well, before that, what was it? Pencil architecture or pencil design? No, I always thought design <laughs> is design, and I think technology, you keep adding technology and, and to it. Um, but I understand that there is a pragmatism and, 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 and immediacy that comes from the, use, the usefulness of, of words and yeah. to catalog that. Um, but yeah, I, I think you have different iterations. So the, yeah, there was a paperless architecture, there was the blob architecture, then they became the animation, animated and animation architecture, software architecture, then digital architecture. And then you start to get a little bit more specific of parametrics yeah. or, or coding, or, or, or now we have artificial intelligence and augmented reality and virtual reality. So the menu, what, what, what do we mean? What yeah. we mean today, the digital architecture or whatever it is. Like, I think everything is digital. Like, even the people who are working really hard and thinking really hard to produce a, a, an architecture that is not digital, they're using digital tools anyway. So um, mm. in, in a way, everybody is doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's interesting to think the, the, how the conversations were back then, because like you said, uh, you know, the people are trying to find their lexicon. They're trying to, I mean, it, in my view, it was that it hit the schools, that it hit everywhere, and people are still trying to figure yeah. out how do how do we speak about this, right? Uh, obviously, yep. the first word is blob, and then do you think is there a, probably there was a good blob against a bad blob of what is now? You could have, you know, a, a good project against a bad project using the kind of the same techniques. Uh, so there yeah. was still that conversation happening, which is interesting. Now I think everybody kind of refers to parametric architecture, and I think that's like you said, it's kind of everything, and we just wanted to know. What was that before? You know, but this is a yeah. So let me see. Uh, but I, I think like so everything else, is, is, as as a, much everybody uh, called smartphones, iPhones. It's no more than that. <laughs> That's true. Um, so as a as a director at SIARC, right, and then principal, your practice, and as a professor at SIARC, yeah, professor regardless. So wearing three yeah. hats, right? This is like your daily task. Can you tell us? Yeah about this and specifically how does this influence your work or vice versa do they have similarities well, these tasks uh you, you, i mean between teaching and your practice they, i think the relation is quite symbiotic uh, and i think i always been interested in teaching mm. where, where are we go where i'm going not where, where i've been so there is mm. a more direct correlation what you do as a teacher and what you do as a designer uh, so in a way, they they, they fuel each other. I, I I never thought that could be one without the other. Um, but I always take it, for me, it was super important that whatever, whatever I work with the students was things that I haven't figured it out, that there was something to figure it out together. Um, so that has been a pretty symbiotic relationship. As a matter of fact, a speculative practice like me only only exists because we have the opportunity to teach if not it would not even it wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible really uh, that with being a director is is is, is very different I, I i think as a director first foremost is you, you have to create the platforms for multiple voices and to create a platform for different ideas yeah and it's a very dynamic and it's very organic and it keep mutating as, as we speak uh, again, first with COVID, uh, what, what does it mean for a school and what does it mean, how you change that? And in the last 11 years, in the 11 years, in the last 11 days, but this going for hundreds of years in America uh, with the social injustice for black people uh, and black voices. And, 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 now, and, now, and now we have to respond and, and we have to listen and shut up and come with actions to change. So this this is going gonna, is gonna to shape and this is something that it, it keep it keep evolving and keep changing and and it's your job and the job of the people that work with you to be proactive and reactive and to make sure that it's not driven by your own individual uh, uh, ambition or your own individual ideology or your own mm -hmm. individual shortcomings or, you, or your own individual so you, it's a collective effort that is different not, not that teaching is and uh, practice is not a collective effort because you work with the students. And, and you work, and you work with, with with the people that work with you, but it's different in, in, in the school, and, and particularly in the side when I am, I'm I'm just the caretaker for a particular period of time in the history of the school, and and your job is 
to be um, fully aware of the legacy of this place and, and, and to make the changes and you can do and, and produce uh, and set up the school to be better. As, as I said, I mean, right now, right now, today, I mean, if we have this conversation three weeks ago, it will be different and we'll have it in two months from now, that aspect of the director will be different too. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a much different one. So in, in a way, it's, um, it's, not, it's not your own individual desire, which they are part mm -hmm. of it, but they're, you're not driven only by that. It's a combination of how you try to build um, bridges with a much larger community, which is, is, is incredibly complex and, and is, is something that usually architects and designers, we're not really naturally wired to do because usually it's something in the culture of design, in the culture of architecture, we tend to be very, very, very myopic about mm -hmm. anybody else's work. Yeah. We tend to be interested in our own, our own work and we tend to discard other way of thinking. So that's the challenge. And I think to me, that has been uh, the learning curve and, 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 and it keeps going. And as I said, we are in these extraordinary times of a pandemic mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, and reckoning uh, with Black Lives Matter and all that, and, and, mm -hmm. and how that's gonna, how that's gonna impact, and what is the responsibility, and, and the thing that the school hasn't done, and what the school need to do, and and how that, that so they the the thing keep moving. So if, yeah. if there was a huge amount of investment time in, in to incorporate all the new technologies and so on to keep speculating and to keep thinking in radical terms, how incorporate all these things. Uh, at the end of the day, architects, we are, we are seismographers. We are something that we, re, we work in relation with, with, with society's feed us. Yeah. So mm -hmm. now we have all, all, all these voices and all this, this, this noise, uh, this hopeful and radical noise pushing us to do things. So uh, the three things are very different. So to me, teaching yeah. and, and, and designing is much closer uh, to understand. The director is a whole different, it's a different ball game. And, uh, and also it's a different ball game when, when it's in a school that is independent, it's just a school of architecture. It's okay. not part of the university. So in a way you had to make it up and you had to create the guidance and, and you're nimble and you can move faster, but also sometimes you can move too fast or sometimes you make decisions. And so uh, and it's an institution that is, is built on, on the intellectual cap capacity of the students and the faculty. But it's always a very fragile equilibrium that you have to be able to navigate. So being in LA, SciArc being in LA, it would be very different if it was somewhere else. Do you agree? Absolutely. I, yeah. I think that, 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 that would apply to any, any other school. And I think not only being in LA, being, being in downtown LA where we are, yeah. um, I think SciArc has a completely intertwined and relation with Los Angeles for good and for bad. I mean, we benefit of yeah. the good things of the city and we, be, uh, and we take the bad things of the city. And so, yeah, it's completely intertwined. I, I mean, Sayak, it is an LA place, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let me see. The next question would be uh, most of all the work associated with the term parametric, right? Uh, it yeah. seems to have a technological notion of performance. Uh, what would be your definition of parametric architecture? Just straight like that in that platform. Uh, and do you think this term would exist without technologies? And if so, how? Uh, again, depends how you wanna frame the word parametric. And if you mm -hmm. wanna frame it in the way that we understand it uh, uh, as um, almost as a branding, as a way to think through digital technologies uh, is one thing. If we talk about the fundamental root of the word parametric, it's a different one. I will say any architecture is parametric, as I said earlier, because yeah. everything's defined by parameters. Uh, in the context of the, the, the kind of a more myopic uh, aspect of it, uh, in the, when we talk about technology and so on, uh, I think it's, it's the way that people who are really notion of coding and, and, and um, systems and um, be driven by systems and be driven by rules in which the, the, the design is the outcome, the outcome as the process of the construction of the outcome is equally the project. Um, that, that would be my view of it. Um, and that's why I, I never consider myself part of that. 
of, of that way of, 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 of seeing it. Um, but again, in the context that you're asking, yes, I think this has been yeah. driven by technology. I think the work, uh, I don't know if we will have the word parametric, we will have another word that relates to parameters. Um, but I, I, I think like everything else in the, in the culture that we live and the culture of uh, 10 seconds or 15 seconds, mm -hmm. um, once in a while, there are certain phrases of words and they catch, they catch up and they, they stay in the collective. And I think by now, everybody in our field has a very particular, when, when the word parametric comes up, there is a very clear understanding what that means. Um, yeah. uh, 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 but um, I, I don't know. It's like in more recent years with the triple O, ob ob object-oriented ontology was something mm -hmm. that also was pretty much into it. Um, I don't know. One, one of my lessons, one of the things I learned from when my, year, my year in Columbia in New York, uh, when, when, when there was at the peak of Deleuze and Guattari and... and, and, and Mm -hmm. The philosophy of of, of uh, stride space and, and 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 this is at the end of the nineties, right? At the end of the nineties, yeah. uh, which I was very interested in, and um, it took me a long time to figure it out. I I really was not interested in those things, so I was I was not interested <laughs> to be defined or to define my work in any sense of uh, in, in any sense of of constraints or, or or to be classified in any way or shape or form, but. Um, I, I'm not trying to be dismissive. I'm not trying to say that people who are invested in that or the people who really see that as a pattern or as a way to work, that is not yeah. valid. I think every way of working is valid. I think every way, every way to think about it is valid. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. It's not really what I would consider my, what my interests align with. I mean, I think it would be more of a post-conceptualizing what you're doing, right, in a way because you're trying to kind of put it in a specific area just to kind of... I'm much more image-driven, so I have a very clear vision about what I want to get, and then I use whatever method and technology yeah. is available to me to That's get there. Yeah. I'm not driven. I mean, of course, we have a process and a methodology, yeah. but I'm not driven by that. I'm not bound by that. I'm much more bound by the, visual, the image of it. It's the image of the, right. uh, the For me, it's image of the vehicle for the production of form. Yeah, so kind of that emotional that you can't really put it in words right away. It's more like you see it and it's like, okay. Yeah, but yeah. you have to work through it. And then the method and the technology is super important. But I, yeah. I, 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 don't get me wrong, there is a lot of acceptance of the randomness uh, and the deviation that it will happen along that process. And then you will find mm -hmm. things along the way that you appropriate. That's why I think technique is super important to anchor it. Uh, but I, I usually don't, I don't start with the technique. I usually start with the, it's about image production and clarity mm. of that. Uh, and I know how disappointing that may be for some of the people in the audience, because <laughs> I'm fully aware of the level of, of, of arbitrary perception that my work engenders. And I'm very comfortable with that. I have no problem with it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, the next question would be, you know, SciArc is considered a, um, Institution in the forefront of technology, uh, design advances. What are yeah. the fundamental traits? What would be the fundamental traits you would expect to see an architecture student come out from there? What would be something that you would want that student, well, a trait to have? I think the first, the first thing, if you want to be really in the cutting edge of technology, is to don't make a big deal out of it. Just have it and incorporate mm -hmm. it and make it part of a seamless curriculum. So what, 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 what you want from your students, and again, things are changing again. So if we talk about this in six months, I will tell you a different version of how we're going to incorporate other things that I think the whole technological argument hasn't incorporated uh, with, in relation, again, to, to the issues that we are confronted right now with social injustice and all that. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be an interesting challenge, how to incorporate that, how you add layers Got to it. what you think is your own natural tendency and your natural capacity. Um, but I think in terms of that, what, what you want from your students is that they became uh, their own individual thinkers, their own individual designers, in which technology is, is a platform. And, and, and of course, it's not devoided of ideological components, it's not devoided from ethical and moral dilemmas. Yeah. But ultimately, what you want then is to understand that there's a lot of versatility, versatility and there's a lot of technology available. And the technology, by the way, 
Evolve became obsolete. It became obsolete year by year. So whatever technology you think you're learning and you're mastering, it will be replaced or it will be evolved. So at the end of the day, it's going to be in, in the roots of how you... Um, how your intellectual capacity to understand your design right. agenda in relation yeah. to that technology. Because again, in, your in the time that you're in the education period in your life, it's only a, a, a very particular piece of time. Like if, when I look back in 98, 99, when I was working, uh, I mean, that it was technology since infancy. Um, mm -hmm. But in many ways, many of my interests remain the same. I'm, what I was interested 20 years ago, Many of them are still interested in and just using yeah. different technology. So right. I think to me, the first rule about technology is, is really about don't, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't, do, not, do not talk about those terms. Uh, accept it as part of the natural progression of design and the natural progression of architecture, which always has been attached to technology. I mean, yeah. the reason what, what you have um, the aqueduct of Segovia, or, or you have the, the big wall in China, or, or, or you have uh, a, a, the, the courting wall skyscraper, was always driven by the evolution of technology. Material, yeah. uh, mathematical calculation, or other one. It, it was just a different kind of technology, but it's not really that new, and I, and I don't think we should be so bummed by it, even though I, I, I love computers and software, I'm obsessed with it. I always mm -hmm. like to see what's new, what, what else you can incorporate. But because I'm obsessed how we expand the palette of options of what we can do. Not to be bound by it or not to have like, a, not to belong to a club or not to belong to a team. Yeah. So in other words, the technique, the technology, it should be a given, right? These are the tools that you have at that particular moment and then use those to the advantage of yeah. your thinking. Yeah, I mean, as I said, you, yeah. you, you wouldn't have the son of Jimi Hendrix Without guitar, electric guitar, and mobile pedal, and you will not have, uh, you mm. will not have hip hop and electronic music without computing and sampling. Sure, I mean that that is always an association between creativity and technology yeah. and given time. And you don't have uh, uh, Mozart without the Stradivarius instruments. So, yeah, uh, that that yeah. partnership it, ne it never it never goes it's, away. Right, right. Um. Okay, so going forward with that discussion, can you tell us a bit about your philosophy of teaching? And how would you categorize your teaching approach different than others? Uh, I guess it has, it has evolved over the years, has been the same. No, well, I hope so. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I will say like every young, young professor, I started teaching very driven by by, by boundaries and, and technique and to produce only small variations of it. And as I get older and I keep teaching more, I, I, I try to incorporate more and more the surprise factor in which the, the students can navigate more latitude on their end and I want to be surprised. But my philosophy yeah. teaching is, is, is basically about, I mean, it's very simple. It's about aesthetics and form and form and, and how you navigate through the technique, how to achieve your ambitions in relation to that. And at the same time, very much um, obsessed with the idea of, of, of counterintuitiveness. Like if you want to work on beauty, probably we start looking at things that are ugly and disturbing. So you try to reverse engineer to see if you can create something original. <laughs> now, I, I fully understanding that originality is not truly possible in architecture, but I think that's part of the goal. So I, I think my philosophy of teaching is also based on the idea that I want to teach and explore things that I do not know and I'm not certain about it, that I have a certain clarity about that this could be a good addition and a good contribution. Um, I like to teach what I call in a non-critical way in the sense, not that I'm not critical with students, but in the idea that I, I like instead to be more about this is what architecture did wrong or architecture is not doing. I'm much more interested in say, okay, this is what architecture has done or with yeah. our genre, this is what we've done. This is how we can contribute and keep adding. And many times it's triggered by very banal things. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of very simple, um, banal ideas that can become complex processes. So I, I, I've never mm. been so much into, into the notion of the big idea. Uh, I've always been much more interested in the very simple 
observation and understanding of things and then how you navigate to that. But again, I think it's evolving and, uh, and it's going to keep evolving and uh, we have to. I think there is a whole, yeah. a, a, whole, a whole other repertoire of things that we can keep adding. Um, also, I, I, it goes up and down. I mean, there are certain moments I want to go back and, and the studios that are much more rooted in, in, in kind of what we call disciplinary elements. And there are moments I want to liberate myself and, and all of us from that. Like the, the last studio I did inside was, was called Not Making Architecture. So we're basically we're trying to avoid any cliche of, of architecture, Anglo-Saxon lexicon. And we were trying to yeah. liberate from all of that and look at everything else that we can do out it and produce proto-architecture that didn't have any specific sense of utility or any specific sense of function. Um, we didn't we didn't fully succeed because we are uh, we are architects and sooner or later we go back to those traps. Uh, but that's somewhere what, what, what I will say there yeah. is such thing as a philosophy of teaching. Yeah, because I uh, the reason we ask is because I know that some of the works that that come out of your studio, you know, I, I'm very familiar. There's a lot of people who are very familiar, but there's people who look at it and they have no idea what that is, where it came from. Yeah. They like it and they don't know how to kind of respond it's more like you like it but you don't know why which is actually super interesting you yeah know? that's one of the, the one of the that's why we i ask you this question because a lot of people who see it and they don't relate you know they they they, they have to have well, a certain to be, fa to, to be fair we don't always know the why i mean i mean the why yeah. will come maybe later sometimes so it's not um, it's, it's not always about certainty it's, it's more about liberate yourself from preconditions and see how you can keep yeah. pushing. Mm -hmm. uh, so going into the idea of, you know, evolution within the, how it changes, you know, so now with the conversation of COVID-19, right? How, yeah. does this pan how does this pandemic affect the working, your working methods specifically, uh, or CIRX or the office? How, how, does, how has this changed for you? Yeah, my my personal working method, have, method hasn't changed that much because being in Sayak and traveling and so on, I've been working remotely for a long time with my office. And also my office is tiny. It's just me and another person right now. So it's not that difficult to navigate. And, and again, we are not that busy. I think we have only one project that we're working right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so it hasn't changed much. Um, I think the school, it forced the school to change and to really embed ourselves in remote learning and remote teaching. And it happens um, when we were nine weeks into the semester. So it forced us to do it very fast. Yeah. Uh, and I think overall, the school did fairly well. Um, I, I think what you were saying about the technology, about the school, I think it produced a fairly natural fit for it. Um, clearly cannot replace the human interaction and the, and mm -hmm. the social component of, 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 of being in the school and the people talking to each other. But in terms of the work, um, I, I, I think, again, in the office work, in my teaching also, actually, um, it, it gave me more time to teach. I mean, because we have Zoom and all that. So personally, yeah. I, I did, I, I, spent, I spent more time than, than maybe a regular semester would allow. Um, mm -hmm. So there was an interesting series of conversation. And I think in a way for me, I, I, I again, I'm very, I'm very tuned into technology. I like screens. I, I, we don't make physical models or anything near in the studio or in my office. Yeah, so so I always perfect, been yeah. very, very tuned with the screen. So to me, to talk to this through the screen and communicate through the screen, uh, it came natural. Also came from years of teaching and visiting professorships that I, I've been using the remote tool for a while. So uh, as a director, was is a whole different is a whole different issue because we we have to navigate the, the the fast transition and we have to navigate the infrastructure that we are working and creating for what the COVID nineteen crisis is not any time to be yeah. over. So we like every other school we're trying we're trying to navigate what I call the phase that we're going to go into hybrid model with partial teaching in person and still other remote learning. So yeah. we are looking what are the, we are working right now, what is the best version to do that. Um, 
But I think, in a way, it forced you to go back to the basics, which is about the intellectual capital of a conversation between the, the faculty and the students and the students and the faculty. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, it makes the technology a little bit neutral in terms of certain aspects, but it exacerbates it into another one. So, I think certain certain studios and certain group of students with faculty that they were working more in what, what many faculty in the school, Peter Test and David Weiser called the, the digital intersection between the digital and the physical work. It had to go fully <laughs> digital because the medium of it. So it has been a lot of, a lot of ideas to it. Um, but yeah. I think that also is an interesting challenge. And I think uh, architects, we, I mean, Architecture is, is, is a, I mean, an architect is a, it's a super complicated profession, no matter what. So this, this, is, this is just um, another step on the staircase yeah. of complexity, which is to be an architect and to be always, I, I think architecture is always in a state of crisis and architects will always in a state of crisis. Uh, <laughs> this crisis right now is taking a different version. Yeah. Uh, how how would we, you have, we have to incorporate it. Yeah, how would we you think that? Yeah, how would you think the the profession or the idea of an architect becomes with this pandemic. Like, I mean, everybody, I feel like they had to get used to meetings online with yeah. you know, 20 people, right? And then meetings with consultants. Yeah. And it became the new norm, how they say. And is that, well, how does that well, change? You know, One thing we know with this kind of things of technology and so on is when changes come, when changes happen, they, they usually tend to stay, you know, like, after 9-11, we changed the window we traveled and you will not travel. Yeah, and and we never went back to that. And yeah. this is going to be the same. Are we going to be all the time in Zoom? No, but Zoom or whatever platforms or the like Instagram Live or whatever, they're going to become yeah. much more part of what we do. And then there is Completely a conveniency. Agree. And I think we are evaluating what is efficient, what works and what doesn't work and what, what we're going to incorporate. Um, I don't know. I mean, talking about the slogans like parametrics, I mean, I mean, we, I, I've been personally, and I think Osaya, we've been uh, talking a little bit for this idea of architectural thinking. I, I think the world of architecture and, and architects, we, we have the capacity to operate in other things and just making buildings. So I think the, 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 after this pandemic, uh, first of all, I don't think we're going to go back to normal also what it means. Because again, at least in the context of America, we have the pandemic. But also, we, we, we have the, the Light Black Matters change that is going to gener- generate a massive Correct. change in the country. I hopefully, hope that changes. And hopefully, yeah, exactly. And it's sustainable, yeah. and we have, to, um, we have to commit to that. So, w- w- I mean, they go back to normal, forget about it. W- w- what was the normal thing? So we're not going to do that. Specifically with the issue of COVID and these platforms, I think it's going to be a massive, um, a massive readjustment, but also yeah. not just in the way that we communicate. I think how we do diversify the interest of what an architect can do and what other what other kind of models of profession we can develop out of this. And I, and I think that to me is exciting. Um, there is yeah. something really scary about all these changes, but it's also something incredibly exciting when when you know that you're in the presence of something that has historic proportions. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to say I, the I don't models think of... it's just going to be about the profession of meetings and so on. I think it's going to completely yeah. change also what it means uh, being an architect and what, what architecture means and what architecture could be could, could also be and move forward with it. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I like what you say about um, the new models of, uh, of work. It could be a different, you know, it, it's a ramification of we understanding these platforms and what kind of new ways of making that and that becoming a normal, right? Which is, I, I, I like the idea of that. Um, so yeah. similar within that conversation, uh, um, how do you think current technologies, you know, computational tools, uh, AI, robots, it, a lot of these things that Sayark promotes and he has uh, been at the forefront. Um, how, does, how do you think the, the construction processes will change or how would that affect in the coming years? If you have an idea about it. Well, or is, is there- Clearly is there the construction process- had... Yeah, well, I, I, for sure. I mean, I, I think we already are in the AI yeah. era. We are with by we go by slogans. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, the, the construction industry hasn't changed as fast as as the design industry. I think technology yeah. 
has been much more impactful in design than it has been in construction. Hopefully, it will start to catch up, and I think the, the, the pandemic also will produce changes on that front too. Um, but also, we, I, I, again, in, in parallel to, 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 this, to the social changes that they have to come, we will see also the balance between the human, the human and the technology. I think that also is going to have to be revisited. Um, but for sure, our intelligence will be a component and it will create a component of efficiency when it comes to fabrication and assembly and material. But also it's going to be, become a really useful tool in terms of design. I mean, you're going to have the capacity, like if you're working in, in, in social housing, you, you will be able to fed AI. I mean, if you want, you can fed up pretty much every every plan and every section done in social housing and, and work with AI, artificial intelligence to find the most efficient way yeah. to do the best unit. So I think it's not going to be changed about modes of production in terms of fabrication. So one, I think it's going to change the way that we design. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I mean, could be exciting and also it could be terrifying. Yeah. Would you, would you think the, that... The, the level of replacement and, and how we're going to navigate that so, but at the same time, the, the good news is architecture is always is always the elephant in in the family of, of, of in, in the in the jungle. It's always the slowest one, and anyway, it's smart. <laughs> uh, and 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 but That's also we are expressing being generalists. <laughs> so in a way, we we don't yeah. have and we don't and we can't and we don't move to the speed of technology. In, that happens in other things. Yeah. So in a way, we always have a little bit more time to reflect. And we have a little bit more time to figure it out whether how we how we how we can assimilate that. Um, and would you think that any of these technologies, or in this kind of discussion, would there be a post parametric in your view? And you know what would that mean? Like I because think, the, as I said, know, I think we are already in post parametric. I think we this. are in. The, I think we are in multiple platforms. I think we are in the multiple. Yeah series of techniques and methodology. I don't think we are, on, and we haven't been in a long time on, on a singular, clear, defined uh, methodology slash ideology to work. Um, yeah. So I think we are much more, if anything, if, 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 if I have to come with the definition, I would be that we are in the culture of sampling and paraphrasing mm. music. I think we are much more in sampling. sampling. Yeah, Got you it. use many things yeah, yeah. and you use multiple platform, multiple software, multiple concepts. And you sample and recombine them. So, I, I, I really, I really, I, I think we are past the idea of, of a singular coherency. Mm. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll go to the last question. Um, yeah. So, as a figure in academia, right, and a professor of architectural thinking, you're fundamentally an influencer. Then this is an Instagram term. I don't know if you've heard this. Yeah. So I would say that you are a, an influencer. You know, influencing at least to two uh, generations of digital architects, whatever. Uh, what kind of advice would you, would you like to give to a young architect that really has you no know, a, a, a potential architecture student, someone who yeah. gets into the idea of architecture, starts to understand what that is, probably still has the idea that if you see, like you said at the beginning on your conversation, that you see houses, pitch roofs and all this, is that architecture? Yeah. If well, you had to speak to somebody like that, yeah. What would be um, that? You know, how would you influence them? Well, for, first of all, is I will say, uh, trust who you are and try. Do, do not deny who you are. Do not deny what you like. Uh, look, look, look in comfort about the, the instincts, about the things that you like. Um, sometimes we tend to over, uh, we tend to make things very common. We talk about the things. But many of us, at the end of the day, what you do as a designer is based on a biological, a biological individual evolution about the things that form you and you think that you like since you were a kid all the way yeah. to the moment that you choose to do something. Mm -hmm. So uh, first of all, allow that to be part of your decision. Allow that to be part of, of, of that. So which is basically what I'm saying. Understand who you are yeah. and, and, and develop your own version. I mean, architecture is one architect at a time. Um, it's one of the most complex disciplines because it's completely subjective. Um, it's, yeah. it's very difficult to, to define what it means for everybody. So each of us have a different, I mean, there, uh, there, there is this, this student in Innsbruck who did this series of videos asking a lot of architects, what is architecture? And they're like I 350. Yeah. They're mm -hmm. 350. Uh, it's not that 
any of the answers are different. It's like they're, they're not two answers that even close. They are completely yeah. from the whole spectrum when it, what it is. So the, I, I, I think my advice is simple. I mean, uh, trust who you are, trust your own background, trust your own culture, trust your own desires. Uh, and then choose to study in a school that I think is close to represent that, to represent those values and challenge those values. And, and then carve, carve your own, carve your own, your own path within that and, and build a healthy um, trust, mistrust for what you've been taught. I mean, mm. like you have to trust a little bit yeah. uh, and you have to mistrust it a little bit. Uh, so, so is the best way to find your own voice. So yeah. grab and learn what you think you don't have. And of, of course, you have, to you have to learn the craft and you have to learn the ABC about being an architect. But yeah. that, that is, it can be acquired. That is easy. I mean, I, I'm absolutely convinced that anybody can become an architect and anybody can become a really good architect. Really? I, 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 I do. I, I, really, really? I really think it's about yeah. it's about and about willing to go through the motions to do it again and again and again. I, I, I really think it's one of the creative disciplines that has, it can be learned, uh, it can be learned, it can be learned. I, I, I really think, I mean, if you look at some of the great architects of our time or any time, they're completely different. Some of them are, are extraordinarily virtuosos and, and they're really, they do a sketch and that's it. There's other yeah. ones that they have to work through 400 iterations. Some of them don't even know how to draw. Some of them don't know how to touch a computer. Um, so, and that doesn't stop you. So it, it's really, it's about the clarity about what do you think architecture is? What do you think architecture yeah. can contribute? And um, be willing to be coherent, um, which is not an easy thing. I mean, um, the, the, there is always a problem of profession on it, which I, I, yeah. I, I never be so invested into it. Um, so, and, and, and by, by choice or not, I always, choose to float around that and don't really fully engage. But if you really fully engage with that, it, it, it's tough. It's not easy. Uh, but, but I think it's about building your own convictions. Mm. I think the idea of clarity is important because even as you go into, the archite into architecture school, uh, that clarity takes a while. You know, some people might take them longer than others. And I think that's what would be the importance yep. of, of that kind of education. Um, it is it, it is a slow process, but at the same time, mm -hmm. don't be patient. I mean, the patience is an overrated bill too. <laughs> that's so actually you. You can start advice. very fast. Yeah, you can start um, fast, and you can do changes fast. Um, okay. Well, I think that that concludes everything. Uh, you know, I really appreciate Ananda. You could join us. I think it's amazing to hear your trajectory. I don't think we get to hear you like this in such a kind of, uh, you know, one-to-one -one discussion, you know, very, it's like a conversation between two people, which is great. Um, and, yeah, uh, thank you. It was fun. Um, okay, so hope your family well, be well, and take care. Thank you. <laughs> Same <changing>. to you. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe to Pure Talks Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts in order not to miss a single episode. Also, you can find out more by going to parametric-architecture.com slash patalks. Please share this podcast with a URL to inspire a friend. Also, you can use hashtag patalks on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook to give us a feedback about the podcast. Thank you.